0: We came here to say that you don't really want it with us. Yeah, we love you, know. We came here to say that you don't really want it with us. Yeah,
1: yeah, this for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Your Sports Show. I'm your host, Big Baby, a.k.a. the soul of R&B. To my right, we have the queen, Queen Tay. Hey,
1: everybody. Happy Saturday.
0: Please show off your shirt. Please, please show it off.
1: Happy Black History Month, everybody. Most definitely.
0: Most definitely. Most definitely.
1: They have several. It's a... um. A Sean John um, Winter 2021 type of um, Black History Month, Black Excellence line. Mm -hmm. um, They have several different shirts. I just happened to see this and picked it up, and I loved it. So I know it's something that we say every week. So I definitely need me one of those.
0: And to my uh, bottom center, I guess.
2: It's on weird. the bottom, <laughs> where I ended up after the Super Bowl. On the bottom.
0: All right, listen, you ended up on the bottom in, in the pick five, too. So, well, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: that's well, what welcome. I was getting at, right? After that Super Bowl, <laughs> ended up at the bottom.
0: <laughs> the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado.
2: Hey, what's up, everybody? What's up? We are on the road to WrestleMania, and I couldn't be more hyped.
0: Most definitely. Hyped. The road to WrestleMania. But um, BK Matt again, load management. He'll be back next week. You um, gotta
1: put him on engine reserve. Yeah, you know,
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> put him on IR. <laughs> yeah. Um, but real quick, um, let's talk about the pick five real quick before I get to how your weeks are. So, um, a bit of a conundrum. We have a tie in in, in the top and the bottom of
1: of the league. For some reason I'm not buying that me and Matt Tide. I, think- I don't think so either. I, I believe I don't think that,
2: it's even I I they had a one game lead even after the AFC. That's why we had said that um you know so she'd have to go 0 and two in the championship games to even have a threat at the uh at the top. I think Tay was cleanly in first place by one game. Over uh, you. It was then, one game over you and two over Matt. Right, and then after the championship games, me and Matt swapped places. Matt came into second. I was in third. Uh, and so after the Super Bowl, it ends up being uh, Tay, Matt, me, and then Dre.
0: Well, double check that for me. Yeah, originally from when I Originally, what I saw from what was counted from, from the scores, I remember that Tay had a lead, a one game lead after the division, um, the divisional championship games. And then But the
1: thing is what I don't get because with the divisional championships, what happened was me and what gave me a two-game lead over Matt was that we both picked the Chiefs. Right. But he picked the Packers over the Bucks, and I picked Bucks <laughs> over Packers.
0: You picked Bucks over Packers. I thought you picked the
2: Pack. Okay. I
1: picked the Bucks.
2: Okay. Okay. And then,
1: I, mean, I, know. I, I know I
2: have it written down somewhere. Pete,
1: had Pete Matt had a two-game lead behind. Pete had a one-game lead ahead of Matt, and I had a one-game
2: lead ahead of. So Pete. going. Here's what it was. Going into the Super, going into the Super because I updated. I updated mm-hmm. these on February. Uh, yeah, right before this. Let's see here. Um yeah so it would have been
0: because I yeah.
2: So it would have been going into the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Into the Super Bowl, K was in first place at 47 and 28, uh-huh. Matt was in second at 46 and 29, uh-huh. I was in third at 45 and 30, mm-hmm. and Ray, you were in uh fourth place. With at 44 and 31. And so oh. then Tay, Tay, who you picked the Chiefs. I picked the, the Chiefs. The Chiefs for the Super Bowl would have put her at 47 and 29. Matt, I believe, picked the Chiefs as well. No. No, he Matt picked, picked the Bucks. Bucks.
1: Even not though Bucks. he picked it right before the game started, but we're not even gonna go there. Okay? <laughs> I picked the Chiefs
2: and not then even I picked the, pick the Bucks. That's why I said it's a tie. Yeah, so there is the a in the bottom. Tay and Matt are tied at 47 and 29. Mm -hmm. And then you and me are tied at 45 and 31, which technically means, technically means, Dre, we did not finish in last place. We finished in second.
0: (laughs) Well, we are looking for a way to break these ties when uh, Matt comes back. We will discuss it. Um, I'm more concerned about the tie up top than me and you because we have no
1: (laughs) implications.
0: Right. <laughs> There's more implications with, with these two than it is for, for us. But
1: I will people. say maybe maybe we do it with the elimination chamber picks next weekend.
0: Oh I can I can see that.
1: Because oh. I'll win in trivia. <laughs> I mean I will make a trivia game. I'll I'll win in a slam dunk contest. I could make a sports trivia game and we we'll see who wins. I'll win. I'm an ency- I'm a sports encyclopedia just because you know, you're a gimmick as a professor, so I let you live.
0: Ooh.
2: I mean, listen, I, I almost stumped the Schwab. Ooh. You never watched that show, ESPN, Stumped the Schwab? It was like a sports trivia show. Then they did a uh, uh, Mike and Mike in the Morning, which is really dating myself right now. Mike mm-hmm. and Mike in the Morning did a Christmas, I believe it was a Christmas th- episode in 34th Street Penn Station one uh-huh. time. And me and my friend went down to see the show, and they actually had a live edition of Stump the Schwab, and I made it through three rounds of questioning before finally getting knocked out. Mm. And it was, like, basically they were just bringing people in from the crowd who wanted to, like, uh, partake. And I think it started with, like, uh, ten people, and it came down to, like, I was in the the final four. So
0: You should have won.
1: But I'm not going – we're not going head-to-head, though, so – Right. No, but you and Matt, yeah, you know. I mean, we could do a couple of, we could do five trivia questions, or we can do our picks for Elimination Chamber. Either way, I mean. I we let the
2: people decide.
0: You know what? I, I would think that because we're going to start the pick five for the NBA soon, I think that pick, that first week of pick five for the NBA.
2: No.
1: Negative. No? I think we let the people decide. You I
2: want it, okay? I, think- I want it. I think, we let the people, I think we let the people decide whether or not it'll be the elimination chamber picks or a, tri- a short trivia contest, um, and then w- once the people decide how we d- break the tie, we go from there. Because even because I was thinking about sports trivia,
1: maybe two basketball, two football, one wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's fair because I think I'm stronger at football. Matt's stronger at at basketball, and then the wrestling could be the the, the one in the middle. The top.
0: Yeah, I, I I think that's a good idea. We'll we'll discuss it over um the week, and probably we'll we'll, we'll decide something on Monday. Uh, Pete, you you will come up with the questions. I will. I
1: think. Yep, I got and, it. And, and don't show,
0: don't share them with Drake. Is Drake gonna cheat? No, <laughs> no, 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 Share them with me so I can have the graphic for for the questions. I want to make it look. Want to make it look nice. So okay, all
1: right.
0: <laughs> um, other than that, everybody's week's been good.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> besides, besides this weather Weather been yeah. cold
0: do. Hey, we don't got too much Longer of it, so
2: Yeah, that's what do. we keep saying every week And then it snows again Yeah like, oh, look, The snow For is well. over, then two days later Another six inches of snow coming into New York This week For yeah. real
0: Every <laughs> week is like oh, We're coming back with the remix
2: Yeah so,
0: But um Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into the show, guys. World-famous Quick Hits starts right about now.
2: All right, all right, all right. These are your Quick Hits this week. Sponsored by the Disney Plus phenomenon, WandaVision.
0: Why didn't you tell me? Because I literally
2: just thought about it yesterday. Uh, If you aren't watching WandaVision right now on Disney+, and you are a fan of the Marvel Comics or the MCU, you are missing out on one of the greatest shows on, well, television right now. Personally, I love the fact, weekly episodic appointment viewing, I remember, brings me back to my childhood. Getting in front of the TV every week to watch the new episode of our show with the family, check it out every Friday. WandaVision streaming exclusively on Disney+. Plus.
0: Cheap Disney plug, I like it.
2: Yeah, I kind of now wish we actually were sponsored by WandaVision because that would have been a great drop for them. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Going into the quick hit for this week, ladies and gentlemen, let's start down in the sunny Australian Outback where the fourth round of the Australian Open is starting to take shape. Uh, Favorite Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka both made it to the fourth round. Uh, Rafael Nadal also made it to the fourth round on the men's side, as well as number one seed Novak Djokovic going for his possible ninth Australian Open championship But in his third round matchup against uh, American Taylor Fritz, he may have torn a muscle and has talked about possibly having to pull out of the next round of the Australian Open. He had a two-set lead in his matchup against Taylor Fritz in the third round. Ended up having to go full five sets to win after a medical timeout. Um, And Djokovic saying to the people he may have a torn muscle and may feel like he has to. Pull out Taylor Fritz, though, saying that um, if Djokovic plays like he did in the last set of their matchup, he probably would beat anybody, even with a torn muscle. So, we will have to see what happens as Novak Djokovic goes into the fifth, uh, the fourth round of the Australian Open. Mm -hmm. Something we're going to talk about a little later today. um, But the ESPN did a straw poll of uh, 100 uh, international and uh, national. Uh, media members from across the country, different markets, uh, using a five player ballot and the NBA scoring system for the MVP. And, uh, here's what ESPN got. Um, LeBron, the overwhelming, uh, pick by the media right now as the MVP, followed by Joel Embiid, uh, Nikola Jokic, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, all the way in sixth place, Steph Curry, um, Paul George, and Luka Doncic near the bottom. Uh, Other players receiving votes include uh, Jonas Valanciunas, Mike Connolly, some other players. Uh, uh, Joel Embiid and and Nikola Jokic trying to become the first pure center since Shaq to win the MVP. Um, Interesting to note, uh, Jokic is the only player on this list that is in the top 10 in points, rebounds, and assists.
0: Yo, Giannis fall from grace is something we predicted a while ago, and I'm not surprised he's just alone in the MVP voting because um, as much as we give James Harden, uh, we were giving James Harden um, some, some slack last uh, last year. James Harden said it right. All Giannis does is dribble, 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 dunk, and the media is starting to see it. Now, I don't get too high on these media polls because at the end of the season, they usually flip when LeBron is at the top because the media at the beginning of the season is always, oh, LeBron is this. He's doing so great. And then for whatever reason, it flips to somebody else. So Uh,
2: We we will definitely see how this looks moving forward. Though also just interesting about Embiid, uh, playing a career year right now, Career high in points across the board for him. And also, it's interesting you note know, the Philadelphia 76ers are 16 and 3 when mm-hmm. Embiid plays, 1 and 4 when Embiid has been off the court. Mm-hmm. So very interesting there. Moving to Major League Baseball. We're getting ready for spring training, ladies and gentlemen. And once again, the New York Metropolitans have invited Tim Tebow to spring training. Um, this year due to COVID, there are only 75 guaranteed slots at spring training and the Mets once again, um, once again, bringing Tim Tebow back. You know, I got a lot of respect for, for Tebow still going after this, but at what point do you say, you know what, this may not be, you know, what, what we're doing here?
0: Well, he gave up playing football, so it might be time for baseball, too.
2: This is very true. Um, moving to the NFL. Oh, Sorry, uh, one more story in the, in the Major League Baseball. Uh, a, a pretty heartbreaking story earlier this week. Uh, anybody who's watched ESPN baseball coverage over the last 10 or so years uh, would have seen Pedro Gomez. Uh, in the forefront of a lot of baseball reporting, there was a, whenever you saw a baseball story on ESPN, it was usually Carl Ravitch or, or Pedro Gomez, who are usually the lead reporters on a lot of stories. Um, mm-hmm. and earlier this week, uh, at the, the very young age of 58 years old, Pedro Gomez died unexpectedly, at his home and spent the last 18 years at ESPN. Anybody who was watching baseball during the Barry Bonds home run, uh, home run era, anybody who was watching West coast sports uh, being that he was Phoenix based uh, Pedro Gomez did a lot of reporting on the giants, on the Oakland A's and those teams and being a Cuban American did a lot of reporting on Cuban baseball relations with the United States. And when the Tampa Bay Rays played against, uh, the professional team from Havana, Cuba. He was the lead reporter uh, on, on those on those games and um, leaves behind a wife, two sons, and a daughter, the tender age of 58. I mean, Pedro Gomez was a big part of my life watching ESPN growing up as a baseball reporter. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my condolences going out to his family and the entire ESPN uh, family. Yes, yeah, definitely. definitely. And our condolences. Moving on to the NFL, Drew Brees has not yet decided whether or not he's going to retire, but the Pouncey brothers have—Marquise and Mike Pouncey both announcing their retirement from the NFL this year. Marquise Pouncey, the eight, the 15th pick, I'm uh, sorry, the 18th pick by the Steelers in 2010, played his entire career in Pittsburgh and was a nine-time Pro Bowl center. His twin brother, uh, Mike, uh, who was drafted by the Dolphins, the very next year in 2011, was the 15th pick, uh, played seven years with the Dolphins and two with the Chargers, played primarily center as well, though he did spend some time at right guard with the Dolphins, a four-time pro bowler himself. Uh, Both brothers retiring in the same year. We wish these two brothers the best. In my opinion, uh, I think Marquise is – Far and away a lock to be a Hall of Fame center. I would assume Mike might make it in as well, which would be awesome. Both brothers make it into the Hall of Fame. But I think Mike, people might have a little bit more debate about Mike, but I think Marquise Pouncey, easily Hall of Fame center.
0: I remember um, seeing Mike playing right guard. And I was like, oh, he can play right guard too. (laughs) I was was surprised. Uh, But... The Pouncy Bros are are one of the uh, the best set of twins in sports we've seen.
1: So
2: And what's interesting to note, though, Marquise Pouncey, very, very, very close friends with Ben Roethlisberger, and there had been a lot of talk that him and Ben had had an agreement that they would kind of retire at the same time. Uh, Ben still has not made a decision on whether he'll be retiring next year. There has been talk that he does want to come back next year. So it will be interesting, very interesting to see how Ben Roethlisberger operates if he does come back as quarterback without his longtime center um, to, to, to get him the ball. Say hey, what say
0: hey, what do you what do you think about that? Should should Ben get another crack at it?
1: I think so. I think so. Um what I see with Big Ben is that he still has some of that tenacity about him. I don't think it's time for him to hang it up yet. I think he has one more year to kind of see, you know, what they can do. Um, I don't see them, you know, reaching the Super Bowl, but I could see them being exactly who they are. And um Let's not forget this was a the they had the longest undefeated streak this season of any team. You know what I'm saying? Be that as it may. So that shows that he still does have some left in the tank. So let's just see where it goes. Most definitely.
2: Um moving from the Steelers to the Ravens, a terrible situation happened uh this past Tuesday as the Ravens cornerback Jimmy Smith and his family, unfortunately, uh, escaping tragedy, fortunately, thankfully, at uh, LAX airport as they were robbed at gunpoint at LAX. Um, The Ravens were notified, like I said, Jimmy Smith and his family are okay. As reported by Jimmy Smith, Uh, police are investigating what's happening at LAX, but thankfully, Jimmy Smith and his family are okay. Moving on to something that I'm sure Matt probably is going to speak about in the smoke section, but big story coming out a couple of days ago is the Texans released – I'm sorry, J.J. Watt, their star defensive player, his request. JJ Watt went on Twitter asking to be released. Well, actually had a meeting with the McNair family asking to be released from his contract. He had one year remaining with the Texans and the McNair family, granting that speedily, really, really quickly, within hours, there was a video of JJ Watt saying goodbye to the Houston fans. Uh, Just really quickly, he was the 11th pick in 2011, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, one of only three players in history to win three Defensive Player of the Year awards. Um, Even last year, uh, you know, J.J. Waters had a lot of injuries in his career, but last year he played a full season, uh, one of the the few full seasons he's been able to play. Um, And with all that being said, he was drafted in 2011, been playing, you know, for nine years. Guess what? He was 15th ranked out of 119 in pass rush wins. Right, So when that, meant, when that man rushed the passer uh, of 119 uh, pass rushers in the NFL, he was the 15th best. That, that's really, really great. Uh, leaves Houston with 101 career sacks. And in my opinion, the face of the Houston franchise. Uh, but very interesting. J.J. Watt, less than 24 hours after he asked for release, he's gone. Deshaun Watson can't buy his way out of Houston.
0: Um. Does it? I, I'll get into it when we speak about the smoke section But the question, just to ask for the table, just to think about, um, is it a different circumstance, JJ Watt compared to, um, Deshaun Watson? I feel yeah. like it's a different circumstance. But we'll oh, get very into it.
2: Yeah, especially in contracts and things like that. Yeah. Um. A big loss in the NFL coaching family this past week.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: as a legendary coach, Marty Schottenheimer passed away at the age of seventy seven. Uh, I grew up knowing Marty Schottenheimer as the coach of the Chargers. Um, those who came before me may have remembered his time with the uh, with the Chiefs, the Redskins, or even further back, the Cleveland. Browns. Marty Schottenheimer was the eighth winningest coach in the NFL. Uh, coach for twenty-one seasons, had two hundred wins uh, on a, uh, on a, compared to only one hundred and twenty-six losses. Almost winning seasons, I believe. Almost all of his seasons in the NFL, I believe, almost twelve of his seed, twelve of his twenty-one seasons were winning seasons in the NFL. His teams regularly made the playoffs. And here's some interesting thing that we haven't talked about. I mean, before this year, a lot. Marty Schottenheimer took the Browns to the playoffs, not once, but twice. Took them to the AFC Championship game. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, his uh, postseason record was his one negative flaw in his coaching resume, 5-13. and 13. Um, Unfortunately, two years straight, defeated by John Elway and the Denver Broncos with the, the legendary drive in 1986 and the fumble in 1987 Tough. yeah uh and many people may remember his 2006 heartbreaking loss to the new england patriots when he was coach of the uh chargers with ladanian tomlinson and a a whole host of pro bowl and mvp type players on the chargers team uh where they lost to new england 24 21 in a heartbreaker uh that was actually his last year with the chargers um you know, in, in a funny note, Marty Schottenheimer was known for crying on the sidelines, mostly in times of pure joy and excitement, uh, but it was really great, because every time I remember watching A League of Their Own, and you get Tom Hanks' character, there's no crying in baseball, you would think of all, of all sports, there's no crying in football, but Marty Schottenheimer, the king of crying on the sidelines for all the right reasons, uh, passed away this week at 77 uh, years old. Dre, what do you what do you remember about Marty Schottenheimer?
0: Not much, not <laughs> a lot. <of> <laughs> I'm like 12 years old. Guys,
2: so. <laughs> Queen, <laughs> I remember
1: him from his time with the Chiefs. To be honest with you, um, that's around the time where I really started coming into my own as a football fan, and I definitely remember that heartbreaking loss against the Patriots um, back about what 14, 13, 14 years ago at this point. Um, but what a devastating loss to the NFL community. Um, what a coach. You know, he's had a, a hell of a career. And um, my deepest condolences to him and his family.
2: Uh, I want to wrap up kind of quick hits. I do have one other story after this very quickly, but I want to wrap up our quick hits official section with this story. Uh, and and Queen and Dre, I really – I I need to hear from y'all on this. So I don't know if y'all heard. Uh, last Thursday, coaching staff for uh, Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars was finalized. And uh, they announced that the, they were hiring, as the director of sports performance, they were hiring a, a gentleman by the name of Chris Doyle, who is a former strength coach at the University of Iowa. In less than 24 hours, Chris Doyle has resigned as the director of sports performance for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And ladies and gentlemen, here's why. Uh, The reason why he was a former strength coach at the University of Iowa is because he was fired and released from the University of Iowa due to a culture of, quote, making racist remarks and bullying players. Um, The Fritz Pollard Alliance, which kind of uh, monitors diversity opportunities in the NFL, blasted. Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars for the hiring of Chris Doyle. Uh, Urban Meyer trying to defend it at first saying he's known Chris Doyle for over 20 years um, and that they really, you know, really questioned him and vetted him and things like that. Uh, As of Friday night, Chris Doyle no longer the Jaguars director of sports performance. Um, How is this hire even made is my question. Like how? (laughs) <laughs> I mean I don't know
0: <laughs> I don't know
1: certain personnel records are sealed right so somebody leaked that to kind of well this board. was public knowledge actually Ted. it was yeah
2: public knowledge it's, that he has been fired, fired from the University yeah. of Iowa his, his severance with the University of Iowa only happened this past June Um, you know, but this was well known about this, why he was fired. And it was, it was reported by many former black players at the university of Iowa, which is what led to the university of Iowa investigating and then, uh, releasing it, you know? So my, I, I, I don't know how urban Meyer gets away with making that hire, um, and how urban Meyer even thinks that hire is okay. And even worse, how Urban Meyer thinks that his excuse of, I've known Chris Doyle for 20 years, helps in any way. Well, he was
1: trying to, you know, Chris Doyle was his boy, apparently. So he was trying to soften the blow. Um, I guess what Urban Meyer felt was that what he was fired for was not that big of a deal. You know what I'm saying? So that's why he was that brazen to, to kind of throw you know, this guy's past, I mean, it happens. Uh,
2: this was the statement from the uh, Fritz Pollard Alliance um, that, that was released here. Uh, the executive director, Rod Graves, said, and I quote, at a time when the NFL has failed to solve its problem with racial hiring practices, it is simply unacceptable to welcome Chris Doyle into the ranks of NFL coaches. Doyle's departure from the University of Iowa reflected a tenure Riddled with poor judgment and mistreatment of black players, his conduct should be as disqualifying for the NFL as it was for the University of Iowa. Urban Meyer's statement, quote, I've known Chris for close to 20 years, reflects the good old boy network that is precisely the reason there is such a disparity in the employment opportunities for black coaches. That coming from the executive director of the Fritz Pollard Alliance, who oversees diversity opportunities in the NFL. Um, And I want to kind of take a moment and have a bit of a selfish uh, story here, Um, a melancholy story for me, uh, especially. Um, Obviously, as you know, here on the Your Sports Show, we do talk about um, professional wrestling. And we usually do uh, a lot of our conversations uh, centered around the WWE. Uh, Sometimes even AEW and things of that nature. Uh, But earlier this week, uh, and it really caught me by complete surprise, and I can only imagine caught a lot of people by complete surprise, uh, a gentleman by the name of Heath Schneider. Uh, He was the vice president of operations for WWN. And if you don't know what WWN is, they are the parent company that helped promote shows such as Evolve Wrestling, uh, FIP, uh, still currently promotes Shine, uh, American Combat Wrestling, ACW down in Florida, among a host of other independent organizations. Um, and he was the, the, the vice president of operations there. He passed away. Uh, this this past week and it has left a, a huge mark on the WWN family. I've seen many, many uh, people such as uh, Sal, the owner of WWN and promoter of Shine Wrestling, and Trevin Adams, the ambassador for WWN, as well as many of the wrestlers who have worked with WWN over the years, um, leave heartfelt condolences uh, for Heath. Um, I only met Heath a handful of times. Um, people who knew me and what I did in independent, what I've done in independent wrestling uh, in New York City. Uh, whenever WWN involved and Shine came to New York, uh, I always was honored uh, to be able to be of service uh, to them in any way. Uh, and that was really thanks to uh, Trevin who, and other people who worked at WWN in the New York area who really kind of opened that door for me and um, I met Heath through through there, uh, working uh, a couple of WWN events here in New York. Um, and it kind of was just in passing at first. It wasn't until there was one night, um, it was a couple of talent who uh, had had a ride, kind of bail on them to a hotel. And they asked me if I could, if I could take them. And I said, sure. And so they always had one WWN official with the talent uh, that was going back to the hotel. So Heath was in my cars, well, as some other uh, WWN talent, we got to kind of like chit chatting here and there. The next time WWN came to New York, uh, I came into the building and I was always dressed uh, very, very well for these shows. uh, Even though I was going to be working my butt off. Right. Um, Heath saw me and he kind of just pointed at me and he said, you need a shirt, right? And at that point, anybody who was usually working at the Evolve shows or the Shine shows had a shirt on that denoted them as a member that was working the shows. And that's actually the uh, Evolve shirt I'm wearing right now. It was the first shirt I ever got from them. But Heath looked at me for the first time and knew who I was and said, we need to get you a shirt. Uh, And from that moment on, I I, I had a shirt and I was an official, um, you know, I could be seen as a member of that working staff. Um, and to this day, one of my proudest moments and humblest moments working with WWN was being able to be invited to Philadelphia when they filmed their 10th anniversary show, which at the time was the first ever independent show on the WWE network. And, uh, I remember when I got to Philadelphia, uh, I came into the arena and Heath sees me and he says, he smiles and he says, really good to have you here today. Really good. And then he looks at me and he says, we got to get you a shirt because they had very special shirts for the people who were working that show. Um, and so my interactions with Heath were very few. I definitely don't know him in the vein as many of the other people who have been leaving condolences uh, for him on Facebook, but he was a great man. Um, and I thank him for the time we were able to spend together. Um, if at all uh, anyone can or is interested, Heath Snyder's family uh, will be hosting a memorial service in Florida. On Tuesday, February sixteenth, uh, from four to seven, and they are asking that in lieu of flowers, uh, if people are interested or can, they can make a donation in Heath Schneider's name to the Alzheimer's Foundation in honor of his beloved nanny. Uh, it leaves behind a family and a legacy in in professional wrestling and independent wrestling that uh, is is very beautiful, and uh, Heath Snyder will be missed. Uh, so, from myself, having worked at WWN, uh, my heart is broken. Uh, And I I just want to thank everyone at WWN for what they've done. Um, And my condolences go out to not only Heath's family, but the WWN family at large.
0: Definitely. Dope, 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 dope. Um, Let's jump into today's topic, guys. Um, it's national anthem um, conversation going on again. So in the NBA, um, for those who don't know, um, we all know, know this on here, but for those who don't, the NBA uh, basically has a rule that the national anthem has to be played at every NBA game. Um, this rule has been around for the longest time. Um, They also don't allow players to kneel during the National Anthem. Again, rules that were put in place from a while ago. Um, I guess those rules were altered a little bit during um, the bubble uh, while everything was going on last year, um, this summer that just passed. But for the most part, these are the rules. Um, Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban for a while uh, was not playing the National Anthem and they did have fans in the arena. And it became not so much an issue to where people were blowing out of proportion, but it became a talked about issue again. Um, My question to the table is, why is this such a big deal in the NBA now? Not just because of the rule, but in general. Tay, why do you think this is such a big deal about the national anthem being played?
1: I believe because of the implications that came with the Kaepernick um national anthem protest and all of the I would say social justice themed um I would say social justice society that we're starting to live in right now makes it I think what when people are people are missing kind of the point, right? Mm-hmm. It was Kaepernick wasn't protesting the the national anthem or the American flag for no reason because he didn't like the song. The right. problem wasn't with the national anthem, the problem was with what was happening in society during the time that still happens, you know, on the day we don't hear about it as much post George Floyd, you know, but um this is a, a symptom of a bigger problem. I think I get what Mark Cuban was trying to do. You get what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, this is something that I feel I don't feel people are blown out of proportion, but I feel as if we're politicizing too many things when it comes to sports. Um, I think that the national anthem, when you go to any type of sporting event in any country, you know their song plays on the on the intercom. You know, if you go to sporting events in Canada, their national anthem plays in Germany and Greece and and whatever. But I feel as if we live in such a culture now. That people are very sensitive about things with, concerning social justice, and I get it, and I'm an average supporter for equality and stuff. But I feel as if that energy should be put into something else instead of just the national anthem. Um, I think that that it. I think that now we're restarting this kind of argument about patriotism and stuff, and I think that we need to kind of fall back and pump the brakes on it a little bit. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree, Pete.
2: I'm going to say something pretty controversial. I am, I don't think we need to play the anthem at every single freaking sporting event, every single day, every single month, every single whatever. I mean, it, it's not like we've all of a sudden forgotten that the national anthem words, right? And we need to be reminded, you know, um, I, I don't think, it, and this is not me, me not being patriotic. I just don't think we need to, as Tay kind of said, politicize everything right? And I feel like the anthem um, is is something that's become very politicized. Um, You know, it's like every single, listen, I understood playing the anthem after very important uh, events. I've understood playing the anthem and being ultra patriotic after devastating events. I can understand playing the anthem on an opening day, old timers day, uh, special events, um, or or things like that. heck, if you still want to do it during the seventh inning stretch at some places, fine. but I don't think it's 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 I personally don't think it's a huge necessity to have to play the anthem at every single sporting event, every single day of every single sport everywhere in the United States of America. um and so it, i I wasn't really upset. With Mark Cuban saying, "Okay, this is not going to get played." Mark Cuban also understands, and I think I've said we've spoken about this on this show. Mark Cuban sees has a better pulse for a white dude. Mark Col- Mark Cuban sees have a pretty decent pulse as to what he probably uh, shouldn't do or should do to aggravate uh, the fact that he has African American players who have to deal with this on a much different level, right? And I don't think Mark Cuban was thinking about, I don't want to play the anthem. I I think Mark Cuban really doesn't care personally, but he's probably thinking about, I've got players on my team that may feel uncomfortable having to stand for the anthem or because they can't protest, right? They they, they feel uncomfortable being forced to have to do this. And so he made that decision um, there. I don't knock him for it. I can understand why the why the NBA as an organization, as a large umbrella organization, is kind of saying this needs to be done. Um, I am of the mindset that protesting the anthem um is not protesting anything else. Okay. Um, it is a societal protest about what the anthem stands for. Uh and, and America, in terms of that, I do not believe that um protesting the anthem means you're protesting the military or anything that listen, my dad right. my right. dad, my dad was a Marine. My grandfather was an army paratrooper. Yeah. I have a fully I, I on who was in the army. Right. I fully respect what our troops do. Um, and I do not think that protesting the anthem and the fact that it stands for American ideals that discriminate against other people or American ideals that do not exist for yeah. everyone right um, is in any way disrespecting the military or anything like that. Um, so I, I, I'm not mad at Cuban for making the decision that he made. Um, I, I understand why the NBA as a business organization is making the decision but I, I am not of the of the mindset that it necessarily is that big of a deal.
1: Um the there are also other patriotic songs. You know, you have God Bless America. You have other, <laughs> other anthems that could be played, right? But I feel as if we're, we put so much heat onto the wrong things. I mean, no one cared about people kneeling for the anthem until it became a political issue. You get what I'm saying? I've been to plenty of sporting events where there were times where I saw many people sitting during the anthem and it didn't become a problem until the media said it was a problem
0: yeah I think the media the media well, why it makes it. A big
2: deal when people don't take their hats off or don't put their hands over their heart you know whatever whatever but all of a sudden a black man kneels for the anthem and oh my god right but mm-hmm. you know the the thing is how, you know like
1: I said I'm, a, I'm I'm a black woman in America and i and not you know, my whole life is a is a social justice narrative, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I live in the United States. I was born in the United States. I was raised in the United States, and and not and although some of the tenants do not apply to, they should apply to me and you and and Dre and everybody. But you know, we know how you know life can be, and I feel as if I get what Cuban was trying to do. I get what he was trying to say, and but you know. I feel as if right now we have, I feel like it's the, the problem is bigger than the anthem. It was always bigger than the anthem. Always. It was always bigger than that, you know? And I feel as if at this point in time, let's devote our energy into making those, those words matter.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, let, let's, let's be kinder. Let's be more fair. Let's be just, let's be diverse. Let's be inclusive you know, those are the things that create a more perfect union, you know? So, you know, for sure. Yeah. most oh, definitely. Um,
0: Back to you, Dre.
1: People... <laughs> no,
0: you're good. You're good. The Texas media made a bigger deal out of it uh, because now it's going to be a, a law that in Texas to where it has to be played. Why am I
2: surprised?
0: It's, That's Texas. It's te- when I heard the story, I'm just And then I heard everything after it, like when I read up on it, I'm like, oh.
2: Did you know, did you know, uh, you know, uh, so as everyone knows, I'm a teacher, right? So Uh the New York State certification to become a teacher is the toughest certification process anywhere in the United States, which is why if you get certified as a teacher in New York, it's super duper easy to move to just about any state in the United States and transfer your certification on. There are only two states where you cannot do that very seamlessly. One is California, as they have their own educational system in yes. California. The other is Texas. Why? Because Texas requires you to take a course and become licensed in Texas history in order to teach in the state of Texas.
0: Yeah, that you know what? Now we're going to get into that because Texas history is, is
2: – Right. Just, so why am I not surprised that all of a sudden Texas – Texas want to make it a law that you have to – you must listen to the anthem at every game.
0: I'm surprised
2: they don't make you watch a remember the Alamo video before every game.
0: Don't don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Um, moving on to the MLB. So the season is about a month away, months or two months away.
2: Yeah, about that.
0: Yeah, we're about to start um, spring training soon. Yeah, but um, there's been a lot of trades, a lot of signing and pickups. Um, I know the Mets and the Yankees are, you know, scavenging <laughs> for players right now. But um, one of the biggest issues last year, like on uh, that, that handicapped the game was COVID, COVID nineteen. Um, the Marlins. Damn, their whole team had had it at one point in time. Um, most other teams, half their teams, had it, and they had to reschedule games and everything like that. Now, with um, fans being allowed back into the arenas and I mean the the stadiums and the um, vaccines and everything like that, how do you see the um, how do you see MLB faring this time around, like? Will it be a lot smoother? Smoother since they've um, learned from their mistakes, as they say. Um, Pete, I'll start with you.
2: Um, I, I think a larger thing that's also going to be an issue is they're going back to an 162 game season mm-hmm. uh, last year. Obviously, due to COVID and everything, we were we we did a 60 game season. Um, you know, so. It's going to be a lot rougher, I think, when you just talk about the marathon that is the baseball season, right? Because this isn't football where you can reschedule games and still get things done in this small amount of time. This isn't basketball where you can do that as well. Baseball takes a long time. And so if you get a team that misses a week of games, you know, God forbid, um, you know, how do you figure that out? Because we saw last year, like you said, when there were schedule readjustments, I believe there was a point where the Marlins played 21 games in 22 days just mm-hmm. to make up for reschedulings and, and missed games due to the, uh, the roster not being where it needed to be. Um, and, and baseball can be a very, very taxing sport, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, games easily go uh, upwards of two and a half hours. Um, you're always moving. Right, Um, you know, so and there's a lot going on in the game of baseball, and then you're picking up, you're traveling, you're going to the next city, and or you're you're staying in that city, and you're playing another game. That's probably going to go another two and a half, three, four hours. Uh, God forbid you have an extra inning game, right? Um, Right. So, I think that's going to be the bigger question: is how does how does the spread or the you know the curve of COVID continue to change? Does it continue to go down? Is it gonna to continue to go up? Um, how do the te- how are the teams in Florida affected, right? Teams that play in California, places that are heavily hit by the coronavirus. Um, I think those are the questions we really have to ask. We have a couple of teams that play in Canada. How are travel restrictions gonna be lifted or changed or have to be adhered to for games that have to get played in Canada by teams coming in from the United States? Um, You would've thought that by the time we got to March, 2021, with everything that was being talked about in 2020, that we would be in a much better place. But we still worry about, you know, the spread of COVID and how it's gonna affect things. I think baseball, um, you know, is in a very, they're in a much more wide open uh, scenario than a lot of other places. And that's what worries me. You have larger rosters. I think the second largest rosters behind football, traveling rosters, that is. Um, you know, a lot more teams than any of the leagues, um, and a lot more traveling going on. You know, football—you're traveling one day of the week, okay, for uh, at the very least 17 weeks, right? Right, uh, or 16 weeks because so you get your bye week. Uh, in basketball, they found a way to do a lot of back-to-backs where you're not doing too many, tra- too much traveling in between games baseball is looking like they're going gung-ho full schedule old school and so now what's going to happen when you got a team playing a three-game set in florida and mm-hmm. flying and doing a three-game set in texas and then flying and doing a three-game set in new york like how is that going to get contained that to me is just a bigger question is how are they mitigating all of this travel and dealing with that
0: Tay, what are your thoughts on it? Um, How can can they kind of stop the spread since last year was a bit of a mess?
1: Well, I think we're in a different phase with COVID right now. Um, I think last year when um, the spring training and everything was starting, we really hadn't had our heads kind of wrapped around the virus and kind of wrapped around how devastating. I mean, we knew the onset of how devastating COVID could be. But we didn't know at that time we'd be up to, you know, millions of cases in the United States and, you know, hundreds of thousands of deaths. So I think that right now, um, going into the MLB season, I hope that they'll be a little wiser. Um, a lot of airports are instituting more, well, more stringent travel restrictions. You get what I'm saying? So I feel as if, if people just keep their masks on, And, you know, now it's two masks instead of one um, recommended. But if people kind of stick to the script, I think we'll be a little bit better off um, with the MLB season this year. We saw how bad NFL was getting at one point um, during shutdowns and how bad um, the NBA was starting to get at one point as far as um, COVID was concerned. But I I feel as if um, they may have some pains in the first few weeks. I feel like I can see some games being postponed. I do feel like the back-to-back schedules, I think they need to kind of put that on the back burner until towards the end, the latter part of the season. And I feel as if, you know, they should require vaccinations.
0: Yeah. um, I was thinking about that too, in terms of athletes um, in, in many sports getting vaccinations and everything like that. But that, that also, I've heard that on ESPN and that's called caused a bunch of ruckus because there are a lot of people who are still not eligible. Well, now in New York by Monday, there's going to be a lot more people eligible for the vaccine. But um, yes, I agree. Um, you should find a way to get vaccinated if you can and then do everything you can to Stop the spread of the virus so everybody can play so it it isn't crazy. Um, we see we're seeing what's going on with the NBA and them playing a full season, semi full season, only ten less games, but they lot. The games are condensed, everything's condensed. So hopefully the MLB can get that under control. Now
2: well, they are they are keeping some of that so seven inning. Mm -hmm. Seven-inning double-headers, if you have to do double-headers, seven-inning double-headers. If you go into extra innings, they're starting with a runner on second base. So Mm -hmm. some of those things are staying the same. But again, it's the traveling that bothers me, right? Right. And you brought up the vaccinations. I think that just brings up the larger issue of now athletes getting to go to the front of the line because of the fact that they're athletes when there are still healthcare workers who have not received the vaccine. There are still – elderly uh, people, uh, people with comorbid uh, uh, um, uh, conditions who have not been able to receive the vaccine because they don't reach certain tiers. And we've seen a lot of stories in the regular media about people who have money and people who have privilege jumping lines and getting vaccines in front of people who are unable to make appointments who need the vaccines um, and who want to get the vaccines. So. I have some issues with the idea of athletes being able to jump the line um, because I don't, no disrespect, I don't see the, I don't think they're so special and they need to get to jump the line. Uh, to me, I feel like that should be something where if you're going to do that, then I feel like the sports organizations need to spend money out of their own pocket and buy vaccines simply for their players that are different from the stock that is uh, going to the American people. Because then you then you're creating a system where you're saying the athlete is more important than the regular citizen.
0: Right. Um, the Super Bowl was last weekend. Um, as we saw, as you saw at the top of the show, Tom Brady has won his seventh ring, denying Pat his second. Uh, this was an interesting game, to say the least we were all watching and talking amongst each other while the game was going on. And it was, it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot. Pick five, pick five or not. We were all kind of just in agreement with how the game was going. And my question to you, Tay, what were your thoughts on the game overall? Um, How Tom Brady played, how Pat Mahomes played and how the Chiefs played and
1: how, who's going to respond next year to, to them? Okay. So let's – first things first, right? Defense won that championship. Bar none, mm-hmm. right? That defense came out loaded. That defense came out with a certain type of aggression. You know what I'm saying? That defense came out – the defense was the MVP of the Super Bowl, I feel. The Tampa Bay defense. Now, I I believe that Patrick Mahomes did the best that he could. You get what I'm saying? Given the circumstances. And we did still see how spectacular Patrick Mahomes was as a quarterback. It's just that they gave that man no room to breathe. You get what I'm saying? Which we, which Dre, I remember we spoke about it the day before the Super Bowl about how, you know, the Tampa Bay defense, Tampa Bay defense, they were on a different level. On um, on Sunday, and I feel as if Tom Brady played like I expected Tom Brady to play, and uh, Gronk became relevant and during the game for the first time all season. And this is what I said: I said Gronk was going to remember who he was, and he scored like the first two touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I believe that Tampa. Uh, I believe that the Chiefs are still a really good team. I feel like they're still a scary team. I feel as if. You know, yesterday, yesterday, last week's game was no indication of any less, that Patrick Mahomes isn't any less great than he is. Okay. I still feel, by all intents and purposes, Patrick Mahomes is a more skilled quarterback than Tom Brady. You get what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, that that, that type of, I would say, veteran leadership is unparalleled. Um at this point, you know, you have a man who played what 20 seasons in the NFL going against a, a guy who, you know, is the future GOAT. You know what I'm saying? This has no bearings on where the Chiefs go in the future. If they keep that core unit together, and we also forget that they 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 were kind of um on the shorthanded side when it came to their defense, too. So yeah. let's not let's not make it seem as if Patrick Mahomes had all the protection and the coverage that he was used to. Um, Also, Patrick Mahomes played hurt. You could tell that he was hurt, and he was hurting during the game. And you could also tell that they shut down Tariq Hill, shut him completely down, that Kelsey was only the the only option, and he still tried to do as best as he could. Was I I surprised that it wasn't a close game? Yes. That I would say. I thought it would have been a little bit more competitive. Um, I thought that the media severely overhyped this game. And then um, I think who's next? I still think it's Chiefs. I still th- I still think Chiefs is the di- is the dynasty. It depends on what what pieces are moved where. You know, mm-hmm. people have a, a tendency of calling you know veteran athletes washed, and then they kind of show you how rinsed they are. You know, you, people said it about LeBron last season. People said it about Brady this season. People said it about. Um, Peyton Manning, when they got completely decimated by the Seattle Seahawks and then came back and won a championship a couple of years later. So mm-hmm. I feel as if um, we might see a rematch next year. It depends on, you know, how the the Buccaneers look. But this had no bearing to me on who the Chiefs were as an identity, um, as an identity and what they could still do.
0: So quick question again to you before I get to Pete. Why are people writing off Pat so early, as if like they make it seem as if, well, well, I guess he was overhyped
1: and 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 over. That's not fair. I don't think that's fair at all. Um, look, they all go through it. You know, what's his face? Tom Brady lost to the in the Super Bowl to teams that had no were supposed to not have a snowball's chance in hell. You know the two giants and that one Eagles team. You get what I'm saying? They weren't supposed to win those games, but you know they showed the fortitude at the right time. Um, I think that it's still too early to tell. You know this man. He, he did you see how many times he got dropped back every single play and was still trying to make miracles happen? There were very sloppy catches that could have changed the game in the very of the Super Bowl. And I feel as if there were there were missed opportunities in the beginning by the second half that, you know, the momentum had completely been gone, but you know, the referees had a hand in that too. I feel like the Super Bowls one time where you let them play, you know, they let them play during that Packers bucks game. And that Packers bucks game was very aggressive. And I feel like they still let them play, let them play, you know, and I think that kind of knocked the wind out of the the chiefs. And so to say, let's not forget the big distraction of the car accident too. Let's not think that, that was a big distraction going into the Super Bowl. But um, Tom Brady and the bucks they did what they were supposed to do. They came in and they handled their business. You know, I had a strong feeling in my gut that they were going to do that. But, you know, being the fact that Patrick Mahomes and that young core, I mean, these men didn't have the peak of their careers yet. And you you really can't judge them at this point. You know, they, they won last year. They were in the Super Bowl. This reminds me of the 2010-2011 um, Miami Heat where people were saying, oh, they were overrated, overrated, overrated. And then they went back, and, and I think they went back-to-back, back, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, you know, be careful what you say.
0: You might take it personal again.
1: might take it personal again. And, you know, <laughs> I'm still blaming Pete and Matt for all that that happened <laughs> when, when Tom Brady, it's like it's as if his competitive spirit heard them You know, those rants and those chunters about how they hate Tom Brady. And then he came and and basically, you know, the man came to town. And can I also say, before you go to Pete, Tom Brady is looking like he's having the time of his life. He is. You know, and, and, and the thing is, I guess seeing this side of Tom Brady makes me not, I don't, makes me not hate him as much. You know, seeing him let loose, have fun, seeing how I feel like his rapport with his teammates much better. I feel as this core was much closer than those Belichick um, Patriots, and it shows you that he's he basically has nothing left to prove, but coming back for the love of the game, and that is what the narrative was at the end of the Super Bowl. Pete, your thoughts
0: on the game? uh... Pat Mahomes, the the Chiefs as a, as a whole, just um, everything that happened that Sunday, outside of but and before you answer, don't say you hate Tom Brady because you know we're not trying to have a repeat. <laughs> so
2: I want to I want to go into a little bit of a time machine real quick. Okay, I would like to take y'all back to 2016 and Super Bowl 50. You remember. You remember who was the opposing quarterback that went against the Patriots and Tom Brady in the 2016 Super Bowl 50 matchup? You know, remember who that
1: was? Was it it wasn't Cam no, it wasn't Cam. That was. That was Cam
2: Newton.
1: But it wasn't against Brady. I thought it was against Manning. It was Manning.
2: Sorry, so it was Manning. Okay, I apologize. But anyway, Cam Newton 2016 Super Bowl. Cam Newton was sacked 7 times. Uh-huh. Was under pressure almost every play. And what was the media story around that? Cam Newton choked. Cam Newton threw that Super Bowl away. He didn't live up to the standards. Like as if he was the only Cam Newton playing every single position on the field. Now, granted, Cam Newton led the Panthers to a 15 1 record. I get that. I believe Cam Newton was the MVP that year. Right? But the, the media narrative around Cam Newton was that Cam Newton choked. And he never escaped that. Cam Newton choked that Super Bowl away. But when Mahomes, okay, and let's be very honest, I don't think anybody anywhere, even people who bet on Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl, thought that Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs was going to score nine points. I don't think anyone Thought that, and if you were a person who thought that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to score nine points in the Super Bowl, I either want to know what kind of revisionist history you're you're feeding, or yeah. what you want, right? Because nobody would have thought they were scored nine points. Nobody. Okay. They didn't score a touchdown
1: at all. That's and, and well, let's, let's be real. That that came from three field goals,
2: right? And but what was the media narrative? Everybody, everything that you heard, everybody that spoke about that Super Bowl, what they say it wasn't Patrick Mahomes' fault. It wasn't Patrick Mahomes. And you know what? There was a very wise person. There was a very wise person that I know. There was a very wise person that I know. And this wise person consistently says, ladies and gentlemen, we need to keep that same energy, right? And so if we're going to say in 2016 that Cam Newton choked and that Cam Newton lost that Super Bowl, for the Carolina Panthers, then we should be saying the same thing about Patrick Mahomes. That, uh, he, that I he wasn't one want, of those people. I, I what, what I'm saying is that if we're going to, if the media is going to push that narrative about Cam Newton, then we need to push that same narrative about Patrick Mahomes. If Cam Newton could not escape the fact that he threw that Super Bowl away, then why is Patrick Mahomes not getting more blame for not being the kind of caliber of offensive player that he's supposed to be? One of my favorite NFL analysts, former ESPN NFL analyst Trey Wingo, used to always say when he says Patrick Mahomes names, he's a future Hall of Famer, Patrick Mahomes, right? But future Hall of Famer, Patrick Mahomes, just lost in the Super Bowl and led his team to a 9 Point total. He did not score one offensive touchdown. He did not run for a touchdown. He did not throw for a touchdown. None of it. Okay. So we can talk about how I great Tom that. Brady was. We can talk about, right. We can talk about how great that defense was. And listen, Tom Brady, once again, did what Tom Brady does. Mm-hmm. As much as I may hate the man, as much as I hate what he does, he mm-hmm. did it again. My right? Man. You know
1: why? <laughs> You know, why he that, you know why he escaped that criticism?
2: Your head queen.
1: He won it before yeah. because he had his win already. It, he would have had that same tag had not been for last year's phenomenal game, second half comeback against the 49ers. You know what I'm saying? The 49ers, you know, people were still holding out hope. You know, I don't know why Tony Romo, was never just an analyst and and never a quarterback because the way he broke down that game was was amazing. You know, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. But, Pete, you're, uh, you're 100% correct about keeping the same energy, but I feel as if that energy would have been held if Patrick Mahomes never took that Chiefs team to the Super Bowl and won. I think that that same energy would have been kept if the year before, you know, they had gone into um, – the Patriot Stadium and almost pulled off that upset going into the, the the year before, right? So I think that the narrative is a little different with Mahomes. Nine points in the Super Bowl, it, you know, you you expect Super Bowls to be lower scoring games. They're usually lower scoring games. You don't really see anybody get over thirty. But it, it this I I liken this game more to the Broncos Seahawks than the yeah Panthers Seahawks type yeah. of thing. um. Because at that time, people were talking about Peyton Manning like he needed to retire. It was over, and this, then the third, and then the very next year, a year and a half, you know, they came and they decimated that that Panther team. So let you know, stranger things have definitely happened. But
2: how, Panther, how, how this is what Mahomes' third year, a f- third or fourth, right? Third. So fourth. Cam took Cam took the Panthers to the Super Bowl in his fourth year. He was drafted in 2011. This was the 2015 season. Obviously, the Super Bowl was played in 2016, but it was his fourth season, right? Um, so, you know, it's just – and, and mind it's you, the Carolina Panthers yeah. yeah. only scored 10 points. In that the parallels are so stark. 10 points for the Panthers, 9 points for the for the Chiefs, same, you know, very similar kind of players in Mahomes and and and, and Newton, and that they both can run the ball very, very well. They both Mahomes may be a better passer, but they can both throw the ball very well. Um, you know, it 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 just really bothers me. Listen, again, I hate that Tom Brady won it. I hate that Tom Brady does what he does and he does it as well as he does it, right? I hate that Tom Brady made it look so damn easy. Right? Did he uh, make it look easy, or did
1: that defense make it look easy? We were talking. We weren't talking crazy
0: about the defense, but we were kind of saying, "Hey, the Chiefs' defense is a little bit better than what the Packers were were giving Tom Brady." And
2: Tom Brady dissected that defense. It yeah, and there like, was no pressure. That <laughs> offensive line. That offensive line, to me, should have won that MVP as well. The Tampa Bay
0: it was only one errant pass and that
2: and it went back because it was a holding call which and really what, we like, like, know? what do we uh, know about the history of Tom Brady calls, so, man, if you give the man time if you don't pressure him if you don't touch him Tom Brady is dangerous that is the one thing we know about
1: Brady those calls man it yeah. seemed the moment that the Chiefs were getting just a little bit of momentum or color in their faces to to kind of get back, it felt as if there were – and I'm not a person who normally says these calls are nonsense and this kind that, there, but a lot of those calls were, were shady calls to me. They didn't mm-hmm. look good to me. And I'm not making excuses because, of course, they were completely outclassed Um, last Sunday. Um, that defense came to play and, and Brady came to play too. He's like the new washed-up king that they call. him. You know what I'm saying? But um, some of those calls, man, were questionable as hell. Just being honest, you know. Yeah, I, remember, yeah. you know, that pass interference call was 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 trivial. tripped, right. Yeah, yeah. some yeah. of them were trivial. Yeah. Some of those holding calls were. I, I feel. Some of those holding calls were not holding. They were just defense. And I wasn't the only person who felt that way, too. I felt that um, Andy Reid had chances to challenge things and did not challenge either. So uh, there were so many problems at the helm before you even get to the Mahomes issue, before you even get to the Tyree Hill issue, before you even get to the fact that, you know, they didn't score at all. You know, the thing is, Patrick Mahomes was not even put in a position to be able to run in this to run anything into the end in, the end goal. You get what I'm saying? Like I saw no no chance of anything. But at the snap, the Bucks were already there, and that's what it felt like to me. JPP was one. That was Bro, JPP and- of old. That was the JPP that the Giants knew. Yeah.
0: And I want to get back to what you were saying about... I mean, he had
1: more fingers with the Giants, but... <laughs> no, he, he still lost those. He was a Giant yeah. when he lost them. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. My... <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. That was funny. Uh, we said something in the chat about that. And I was like, "Bro, well, No, I think I said something. But my thing was about the calls, because I specifically said something after the Super Bowl. Um, and I compare it to basketball. Um, as a basketball player... Um, a lot of times, because players were smaller than me, I wouldn't get the benefit of the doubt for a lot of calls. Yeah. Even if I'm staying in front, I wouldn't get the benefit of the doubt of me staying in front because players are like flopping all over the place um, like we see in today's game. And my thing is I had to adjust. Now, I'm not saying that the referee's like were the best because they they were really calling some some ticky tack stuff and we were all like whoa this is not it especially especially that pass interference where he he tripped and I was like all right like by law I guess that's pass interference but you don't you don't call that but um the chief never adjusted never he, he never adjusted never. Um, uh, Mateu kept chirping, and almost got himself ejected from the game. From from the uh, yeah, from the game, and they they let themselves get deflated by the referees, and that goes to show you the mindset of that defense when everything isn't going their way. Now again, we said that what was going on outside of the field could have affected the team. I feel like it affected Andy Reid more than anybody, especially since you said. In terms of things that need to be challenged, excuse me, challenged and looked at and adjusted. But as far as the defense, I can't really say much about the offense because the Bucks defense was doing their job. In terms of the Chiefs' defense, you have to adjust.
2: And as a side note, I think this ends up screwing yeah. over someone like Eric B. Enemy even more. Yeah. Um. You know, as the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, the and here's the funny thing. Again, we talk about the narratives around this, right? Yeah. Everyone said when enemy wasn't getting a job, it was like, well, there are there are teams that are worried that Bienemy doesn't really call the plays, right? He mm-hmm. he created the offense, he runs the offense, but Andy Reid calls the plays. But how much money you want to bet? that any interview that Eric Bieniemy goes on again after this Super Bowl, they're gonna be like, oh, well, what happened? Y'all only scored nine points in the Super Bowl. You're supposed to be this great offensive mind. Where's going to be keeping that energy of like, hold up, I don't call the plays. Okay. And you didn't call the plays. But now it's on me? Right.
0: The energy is not being – that's the thing. The energy clearly <laughs> just for the past few weeks in general, when it, when it, um, when in, in a lot of sports, just not being kept. Which is, is weird to me because everything is like everything just seemed bizarro. Like you say one thing and then you go back and like, oh no, this is what we meant. No, 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 no. Reporters, please keep the same energy on all with these players. And Pete, I want to touch back on the Cam Newton um and Pat Mahomes comparison. The reason why Cam Newton never shook that, you know, that um unclutched kind of, you know, personality that people put on him is that because he never went back.
2: Yeah.
1: Pat,
0: Mahomes, Pat Mahomes has been to the Super Bowl two out of four years. Cam Newton has only been there once out of his, what, 10 years in the in, uh, in, in NFL? Yeah,
2: I believe in, in so, direction. yeah.
0: Injuries and all, yes, I guess that. I'll, I'll, will give you a little bit of the injuries. Well, he
2: only went back to the postseason in 2017. His next time in the postseason was 2017, and they, and they were knocked out in the, in the only game that they played
0: from 2000, right? From 2016, 2017, and that's it. Again, Patrick Mahomes has done it four, four times. Been in the, the postseason four times with a Super Bowl right. win. Right. He
1: came pretty far out of the, th- you know. I don't really count the first year because he, didn't, I don't think he started the the entire season. No, right?
0: no, he didn't start but the entire season.
1: Let, let let's not even put because he was the the backup to Alex Smith.
0: Right, and Alex Smith got hurt.
1: Yeah, so let's 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 put that that year on the brink. You know what I'm saying? Let's mm-hmm. not even count that. Right, mm-hmm. first year, AFC championship. Mm-hmm. Second year, Super Bowl ring. Third year, Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. you it's it's like you can't even I mean what a disappointing game that's all I could say what a disappointing game they gave that the the buccaneers that ring on the silver platter the first half yeah. they didn't even have to come out the second half with the same type of intensity that game was done second quarter, yeah.
0: All but he energy energy.
1: never went back. And I think that was his that was the same stigma that followed him and Kaepernick too. Yes. Yes. That was the same <laughs> stigma because they went once. And then, you know, people are very quick to tap that to tap that overrated bumper sticker on your your value and your talent. And I feel as if there's so many layers and so many levels to this stuff. I mean, but Mahomes is still next up. Right. It's just that his time is not quite now. You know what I'm saying? It's now. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But not in the league. You're still competing with this generation's greats, like the Breezes, the the Brady's, the Roethlisberger's. Most of the people who, who were Super Bowl MVPs over the last decade are still playing. Yeah, Russell. Right,
0: still
1: there. Um, still there, you know. Right. So at the end of the day, like it's not that easy. But Mahomes did a good job before last week and making it look easy, and last time, last week was kind of shocking. You know, yeah. I, I. It was shocking, not shocking that Tampa Bay won, but it was, it was shocking in the fashion that they did. And. It- <laughs>
2: You know, if you think about this really quickly, uh-huh. um, you know, just because we were talking about Cam Newton and I started looking at it. So uh, 15 was the year that he went to the Super Bowl. They went mm-hmm. 15 and one. Uh, the next year, 2016, um, they went uh, 6 and 10, and that was the year that the Falcons uh, went to the Super Bowl. 28 and 3? Yep. And then 20, uh-huh. uh, 2017, they went. They were second in the NFC South with an eleven and five record, and they lost in the wild card playoffs. That was the year that the Eagles uh, went to the Super Bowl. Um, first year that the Eagles uh, went to the Super Bowl, and They're then the last year that they went. Were- yeah, and then the Rams, the Rams in the Rams in twenty eighteen, uh, where uh, the Carolina Panthers were seven and nine. So if we look at that. The three years after the Super Bowl, he went six and ten, eleven and five, seven and nine, and he was in uh, the playoffs only once.
1: Oh. But he
2: did he did lead them to a first place record uh, in both the twenty thirteen and the 2014, uh, 2013 and twenty fourteen seasons. But they uh, his combined playoff record before that was uh, one and two.
0: Oh. Why aren't people keeping that same energy with Michael Vick too? Because Michael Vick never went back. He went once and never went back, if I'm not mistaken. Or did he not go
2: at all? No, I don't think Vick was in a Super Bowl as a starting quarterback.
0: Either was it was it him or McNabb? One of them.
2: McNabb. McNabb was the McNabb. one. He was always the bridesmaid, never the bride. It was the NFC Championship game for so many years with Andy Reid, and then Uh they went to that one Super Bowl with T.O. Good times. Good times for them. Um, And those two still cannot stop talking bad about each other.
0: Man, still, still, still. They won't even talk about each other. So this week I am hosting the Smoke Section because we have some things to talk about about um, this team in texas that we spoke about earlier the houston texas let's get into the smoke section so on this edition of the smoke section we'll give you a few names Y'all just, nah, I know you guys will remember these names, but you know, let's talk about it real quick. Um, Andre Johnson, Arian Foster, DeAndre Hopkins, now released, J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson. What do all these people have in common? They
1: all play for the Houston Texans and want to leave. Right.
2: And I think you forgot a name.
0: Who else did I
1: forget?
2: Mario Williams.
0: Mario Williams, yes. I did forget that Mario Williams. Um
2: the first ever draft pick for the Houston Texans. These the Houston Texans
0: have a big problem. A huge problem. They are drafting not once-in-a-lifetime talent, uh, not once-in-a-lifetime talent, but very, very amazing talent that could be potential Hall of Famers. And for whatever reason, they always want to leave or their opportunities are very wasted with them. I want to know, why is that? Is it the coaching? probably not. I'm not going to put it on the culture. But I can put it on the culture there. These guys just hired um, a black head coach who has waited 27 years for this opportunity to become a head coach in the NFL. Why? Deshaun Watson wants to leave. So they think that signing the black coach will keep Deshaun Watson there. And Deshaun Watson still wants to leave. So again, what is the issue with the Houston Texans and why can't they get it right with these talents?
1: Why? I think it's a toxic culture. Now, I don't know what specifically, but there's something very, there's something deeply ingrained in the culture of the Houston Texans organization that makes it unattractive for their star players or players in general to wanna stay. And I feel as if this is a lot of stock put on a team that barely goes over 500. Bruh. (laughs) Bruh. (laughs) You know, I mean, (laughs) like we were saying, like Deshaun Watson, JJ Watt situation. Like I feel as if there are two different, very different stages of their careers. Mm -hmm. Um, JJ Watt. Is almost at the tail end, I feel. I feel like you give this guy, you know, he still has, he was the face of a franchise for a long time. Does a lot of amazing things for, for the Houston, Texas community, for Houston in general. That, um, ooh, oh, oh. He was ready. <laughs> and then, um, if the face of your franchise for the past five or six years is ready to, to call it quits and your your young star quarterback who can really who can really give it a go who's very talented if he's ready to go and just a culture of people just not staying long in houston te- in the Houston Texans, there's something very ingrained in that culture that makes it unattractive now, what is it is it racial no, I don't think is it how people are 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 spoken to, how management runs the operations, maybe, um, but it's something to be kind of looked into and said because it, it's a, of course, it's it's um, beneath the surface, deep beneath the surface.
0: Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that. It it seems like it's deeply rooted in the organization and. I think with their last coach, his name, is um, Jason right now, but him and Deshaun Watson didn't get along. And after he traded D-Hop um, away, he basically said that, oh, we're trading for the future. But the future is right in front of you. Your star player has a star wideout to throw to. All you need to do is put the rest of the pieces around it. Why trade him for no reason? because you guys don't get along. I don't know. Pete, what are your thoughts on the, the culture in in the Houston Texans
2: locker room? I mean, and the coach that you're thinking about is Bill O'Brien, um, who then became the GM and the coach, which we, we've known just has not worked at all in many situations. And if y'all excuse me for a quick second –
1: uh, <laughs> well, well, <laughs> dog's jealous, <laughs> but um, yeah, this is a really like mediocre to be having all these issues, like, yeah, like they're worse than
2: a few of apologies, the other.
1: apologies, apologies. No worries, no worries.
2: It wasn't food, Amanda, no. Uh, the, it was a Amazon <laughs> package that I was anticipating, uh, but they decided to go up the other side of my building first instead of coming directly to my door. But go okay. ahead, Terry, I apologize. No, you go ahead, because I wasn't saying anything, really. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you were talking about Bill O'Brien. Um, no, it's not, actually, no. Um, it's actually for the dog. Uh, <laughs> it is actually for the dog. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Houston has just had... A really bad since they became since they came into the league as an expansion team in 2005, it just I don't know what it is. It it hasn't worked there, with the exception of you know 2011. They they win the AFC South, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: right? They win the AFC South. They go all the way to the second round of the playoffs. They beat the Bengals in the first round, and then have a hell of a game against the Ravens that they lose by a touchdown, and then in 2012. They go, they go twelve and four, and again um, beat the Bengals in the, in the first round and lose to the Patriots uh, twenty eight to uh, forty one to twenty eight in, in the divisional playoffs. But they have nine Pro Bowlers in twenty twelve, and then we start going down again. We go two and fourteen. You know, we go nine and seven, but they don't make the playoffs. It's so weird. You know, <laughs> again they go nine and seven in twenty fifteen. They make the playoffs lose to the Chiefs 30 to nothing. Um, Then they go 9 and 7 in 2016, go to the second round of the playoffs, lose to the Patriots 34 to 16. You know, so then then they start going into a rut where they go 4 and 12. You know, they had one good year a couple of years ago where they go 11 and 5, but they lost to the Colts in the first round. I remember that. They. It's because, and again, as you said, they had a lot of great players. And a lot of players you didn't even mention. Jadavion Clowney has been there. Okay, J.J. Watt has been there. Andre Johnson. They had Derek. um, Sorry, they had David Carr, the first man ever given PTSD from playing quarterback in the NFL. Okay, and you know this Russell Wilson story that came out reminded me of David Carr. Right For those of you who don't uh, didn't hear about it, the juxtaposition of Russell Wilson complaining that they need a better offensive line in Seattle because he's been sacked 400 times since he's been the starting quarterback of the, of the Seattle Seahawks. And David Carr, if you go back and watch Houston football, when David Carr was the starting quarterback, that boy cannot drop back more than three steps without having four guys want to sack him. Okay, literally with a bunch of wet towels playing offensive line. Right. And it's it's just, I don't know if it's a culture thing with the McNair family. Could be a thing from the ownership. I don't think they've had good, great, I mean, they had one couple of good coaches in Gary Kubiak at one time. Bill O'Brien in the beginning was really, really good. Uh, but I think Bill O'Brien was about four years old, um, you know, in terms of they, how they, when they should have gotten rid of him. But when you got players, uh, franchise players, who are having issues with your organization. This went back against David Carr. David Carr said, I need help. I need help. I need help. They never got him help, right? Um, And unfortunately, NFL careers are not like the NBA, right? Where LeBron would say to the Cleveland Cavaliers, I need help. I need help. You know what? Peace. I'm out, right? Um, David Carr couldn't do that, right? And even if David Carr did, by the time David Carr left the Houston Texans, he was, you want to talk about seeing ghosts, right? David Carr saw ghosts of people trying to sack him every single time he tried to throw a football. Um, Mario Williams, when he became a free agent, signed with the Buffalo Bills without even thinking twice about going back.
0: As he should have.
2: <laughs> right, without even going back. J.J. Watt stood there out of honor, out of integrity, out of wanting to hopefully see something happen there. mm mm-hmm. um, I feel J.J. Watt should have had three Super Bowl championships somewhere else by this time, right? Because uh, J.J. Watt could, could have easily been a centerpiece on a defense that could have easily been in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, I think there yeah. needs to be a complete overhaul. Yeah, There needs to be a complete overhaul in what happens there. And I find it hilarious that just, you know, when Houston came into the league, they said they wanted to win a Super Bowl before the Cowboys did. At this rate, none of them are going to win a Super Bowl anytime soon. No. Funny no. thing is, there was actually a story Absolutely. that dropped. Somebody, I think I forget who it was. Oh, it was Tay's favorite black sports analyst. You know, uh, uh, uh. Who, who who stated on his uh, morning talk show, First Take, that. Uh an interesting trade that could be discussed is probably swapping Deshaun Watson for Dak
1: Prescott. I'd rather. Can I tell you who I who I could see him playing under and being mm-hmm. really successful with? Who Watson or Dak? Watson. Huh. Dak is staying with them Cowboys, I feel. He better, say, he better say, um, I feel like for Deshaun Watson, his best bet is either the 49ers or the Patriots. Mm. I, Unfortunately, I don't think the
2: Patriots – the Patriots are – I think as much as I as much as much I also hate Bill Belichick, the, the Patriots are smart enough that they're not going to overpay for uh, Deshaun I Watson. That. I don't know about that. I mean yeah. – because nah, I want to I kind of bring this back to what we talked about in Quick Hits with J.J. Watt. Right? White, white man, captain of your defense, they see a franchise, says I want out. You release him and leave a dead money hit on your cap in less than 24 hours. Your franchise quarterback, young black man, says I want out. I do not want to play for this team anymore. And y'all holding this man hostage like he owes you money.
1: Let me be, I think that this is this is my thing here, right? I get your point, Pete. Get what you're trying to say. But let's not forget that where Watt and Watson are at these stages in their careers, right? J.J. Watt, he's one of one of the best defensive players I've seen in the past few years when he's healthy. He's missed a considerable amount of time um, due to injury as well. And like we always say, we keep the same energy. So the same energy I o- often give to Carson Wentz, I have to give to J.J. Watt too. You get what I'm saying? His va- brand value depreciates every time he's he's injured. You get what I'm saying. So, let him go now, where you could still kind of save your cap space, instead of absorbing those costs and then not basically getting, you know, your worth there.
2: But, Tay, hey, can I ask you a question? Uh huh. You can. Maybe. What stops What stops Deshaun Watson from from exhibiting some some BDE? and saying, I just ain't playing for y'all next year. He's going to come across as a baby because Mm -hmm. he's being paid millions of dollars. (laughs) You know,
1: and And we just went off off on James Harden for doing the same thing.
2: He's the same But that, by by the way, Queen, (laughs) uh, I found this hilarious. Uh, (laughs) And obviously in our group chat, you were talking about somebody apologizing, being, you know, full of you know what. Um, I don't know if you saw the story today, but James Harden had a sit-down interview and apologized for the way that the things went down with Houston because that's not him, and that's not how he would have wanted to have left. Uh- oh please, <laughs> oh please. You know, this is
1: my thing. We are all adults here for the most part. People know what they be doing. That's what gets me upset. It's like you wasn't worried about that apology. You know, you apologizing now because you got what you wanted out of the uh-huh. whole deal. You know what I'm saying? Now, I bet you if you ended up into an obscure team like the New York Knicks, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. or the, you know, the Vancouver Grizzlies, who don't exist anymore, I know, you know what I'm saying, you would not be talking that same hum- humility nonsense. Give me a break, James Harden. Give me a break, Justin Timberlake. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't have the energy for it. I don't want to hear it. Keep it to yourself. You had <laughs> an opportunity to apologize when the things when it was going down. So the theme of our show is keep that same energy. Keep yeah. that same energy.
0: And keep- that will be the that will be the new title of this episode.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm telling you, I found it so funny <laughs> when I saw when I saw that he oh, when I saw that he um, did that interview and he apologized. I was like, I was like, yo, Tay got to see this man because yeah. <laughs> this boy out here. Here it goes. Here it goes. On, I, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pull this up. Yeah, like it's so funny when Matt <laughs> the- I quote, quote quote, and of course he did. Of course he did it with the perfect NBA reporter, uh, ESPN's <laughs> Rachel Nichols, who always gets the sentimental stories right. Uh, quote: This is this is a direct quote. From James Harden. I don't like it at all because that's not who I am. Oh, Harden, asked, Harden said when asked to reflect on the weeks leading up to the trade, the drama, the extra, whatever you want to call it, the negativity for me, I don't really like negative energy that's draining. So I don't like how it necessarily happened. I feel like it could have happened a lot smoother, a lot easier, but it is what it is I apologize for how it went down, but I guess I had to do what I had to do in order to get to go where I wanted to go. Nah. James
0: Harden, jump into the smoke section too. <laughs> jump in <laughs> here too, because you're Sweep wild, in, shorty. Yeah, right. You, you, <laughs> I'll yeah, you jump right in with you with JT and,
1: and the Houston Texans too. Y'all, y'all be right. <laughs> y'all sit the smoke there, section. get comfortable. Yeah, get comfortable. Y'all need to smoke. And I don't care right. what Matt say. <laughs> People know what they do. I'm serious. You know what you're doing. This is mm-hmm. what kills me about people. You you always have it's something called the conscience, right? Mm-hmm. You see, I'm the type of person, if, if I don't, if in my gut I know I'm right, I'm going in. And there's no way that you're ever going to deter me from me fighting for something that's right, right? But if there's any semblance of guilt in that pit of your, your core, that what you're doing is crazy, You know what you're doing. So, no, I don't accept your apology. I don't want to hear your apology. (laughs) Buckle up and sit right in the smoke section where you belong. James Harden, you got what you wanted. Be quiet. Go make it to the Eastern Conference Finals with your team and lose to the Lakers in the finals. Do it. Lakers in five. Lakers in five. And Justin Timberlake, you know, that that (laughs) apology – it should have been legal by now. That's how long ago you should have had that apology. That right. apology should have been 17 years in the making. Your apology should have been getting ready to graduate from high school, shorty.
0: Well, your apology <laughs> fell off your credit report twice. Exactly.
1: Now, exactly. You and know, you know you, you had your purposes like that. that no, nobody. No. Sit yeah. down. I won't hear it. I like how
2: that was the second article that came out. His publicist said. His JT's publicist said we had nothing to do with that. He wrote that on his own. Oh, that's- beautiful. I'm sh- yeah. Let's
0: no. Let's not get this. Because not. Let's not do this. We have. We have a PR person on the show, and I'm saying <laughs> that. That's not how things work. That, all
1: right. <laughs> Because we got one more topic. I already. wish Matt was here for this. I know
0: you do. I know you
1: Because you know how I feel. And it's not about Backstreet Boys in Sync. It's just because just because Justin Timberlake slapped on some cornrows and hip-hopped with 50 Cent and, and Timberland Don't make him that down king that people trying to make him seem to be.
0: He's not, bro. He's not. He's not. If we talk about... People get on... Wait, JT ain't black. People, right? <laughs> People get on Eminem about culture vulturing and everything like that. Justin Timberlake is the definition of it. But
1: that's—I a- don't I think Eminem it. is a culture
2: vulture. Let me no, tell you, think that. So he came from Detroit, right? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Your Sports Show presents the New Breakfast Club. Detroit, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: hip hop is in his blood. Uh-huh. From where he was in this, down, and kind of third. He didn't put cornrows in his hair, hip-hopping, and, you know, always had to have, you know, doing all this popping and locking and <laughs> all this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it, it all this popping and, you know, singing with Nelly and, you know, people like them because, you know, they there was a little hood and stuff like that. And then you married, you, you know what? I just caught myself. <laughs> real personal. But let me not. But Eminem is not a, I don't feel like he was not a culture vulture because I don't feel like he tried to influence culture. He didn't. I still think his
2: platinum blonde hair is better than Cisco's.
1: Nobody's platinum blonde hair was better than Cisco's. I just three concerts. Y'all, y'all going to make
0: me put, never mind. I ain't going to put that at the end of this because this guy, this guy, this guy go to somebody. All right, all
1: he right. Let me, let me,
2: let right. me. I but get what you, people say. You know, now that I think about it, now that I think about it, you know what should be the lead-in song? For the smoke section, "Enter the Dragon"
0: by Cisco. I mean, Matt and Cisco about the same height. (laughs) And I'm, I'm when I and I say that in all seriousness because Tan's met Cisco before. I have met Cisco before, and they're about and they're they're literally about the
2: same height. Oh my lord! Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I really wanna unleash the dragon. This will happen out by the what <laughs> happened when
1: I'm not on the show? This, this
2: what, what you do to happened, me?
1: This what happened
0: when you was on the show? Oh my gosh. But again, every rapper wrap it up um great episode guys great episode great episode um shout out to to his network all the shows we have on the network on um february 21st Helen itself? no i'm sorry Get my pay-per-views confused elimination chamber the viewing party at legends bar um st- it's still a pandemic. Is it's,
2: happening
0: yeah oh, still so great publishing. Still, social distancing required. Please wear your mask. Temperature checks are at the door. Again, um, due to um, you know mandates by the city, it's only a limited number. So be there early so you can get inside. Um, a lot of good stuff coming out from the network. A lot of good stuff coming from us too. So stay tuned for that. But for the queen. Take, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> for the voice of a generation. Yours is a lot easier <laughs> yeah, right, <David. laughs> Pete Rosado, it is your boy. Oh, every time. for load management, aka the I R. AKA Lil Cisco. <laughs> oh, we forgot to talk about um, Matt actually about to
1: start wrestling for the E now, remember? We forgot. Oh, that's that little wow, wow. You just don't know. The way you move too fast across the floor. I'm
2: done with both of you.
0: He's coming back this week with Avengers, and I'm I'm gonna love it. <laughs> like,
2: done. But before BK
0: Mac, it is your boy Big Baby signing off. Peace.